don't talk too much. Just talk a little bit. You don't eat much, you don't talk much. <laughs> I'm just listening. This is the Just Listening Podcast with pizza artist Eric John. Okay, everybody, welcome to the show today. This is Just Listening. I am Eric John, and I got to tell you about my friend John Scambato over at Yacht Club Soda. Yacht Club Soda has been making the absolute best artisan soda in the entire world for more than 100 years. And uh, up until now, you had to live in the state of Rhode Island to enjoy it. Uh, It's a small local company that has grown into an absolute behemoth. Uh, John Scambato has really uh, taken this this company and made it into something amazing. And now you do not have to live in Rhode Island to enjoy this amazing soda. You can go to yachtclubsoda.com and you can order it for yourself. Check out all the amazing flavors they've got. They've got blue raspberry, strawberry, root beer, cream. Uh, they've got regular cola. They've got uh, pineapple. They've got grapefruit. The list goes on and on and on. So go to yachtclubsoda.com today and check it out. Yacht clubsoda.com. You will not regret it. Okay. On the show today, uh, we have Corey Brailsford uh, joining me. Uh, Corey um, is uh, one of the co-owners of the Comedy Connection uh, in uh, Providence, in East Providence, Rhode Island. It's in East Providence, uh, Rhode Island. Um, but, you know, in Rhode Island, every, you know, <laughs> everything within the vicinity of Providence is basically Providence. Um, but, uh, he runs a comedy club and I'm a huge comedy fan. And so I just, you know, I'm really excited that he decided to join me because, uh, I've always wondered like, what's it like to run a comedy club? What's it like being in that world? Um, especially from sort of the business side of it. So, um, Corey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm really excited you were willing to join me because I'm a huge comedy fan. Uh, I've been to the Comedy Connection a number of times. Some of the best times that I've had um, in recent memory have been at the Comedy Connection. Actually, I have to say that your place was a big part of kind of lifting me out of a bit of a funk I was in around, you know, summer of 2021. Um, I went down there to see, uh, it was Luis J. Gomez, Dave Smith, and Zach Amigo. It was an outdoor show during COVID. And and man, I had the best time. I walked out of there just feeling like a million bucks. Um, I, I dude, I don't even know what to say to that man. That's 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 so nice, first of all, and what a an awesome thing to hear. I didn't know that, and before even getting into this, and that was that's so cool. I, I love hearing stuff like that. Um, that was a weird time. It was a weird time. Um, I think we were all in a funk, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like. I have a giant 40 foot tent outside of the club in a parking lot. <laughs> like people are going to be pissed. I'm like, it's July. It's, it's hot. You know, it's just, it's awful. And, uh, everybody seemed to, to enjoy it. So I really like hearing that. Thank you. You know, what was funny about that show too, was it actually wasn't that hot. I think I remember actually, I think I was wearing a sweatshirt. It was actually a little, it was, you know, it was nice. Like it was nice out. Oh, good. <laughs> um, what ex- explain to me and, the audience for a comedy club owner, yep. how difficult the COVID pandemic period was for you and your business. Um, so, you know, it's, it mentally for me, mentally, it, it was 
uh, you know, for somebody who's a business owner, we have like a certain type of personality, I feel like across the board. Right. And when you're not doing something, it's like, okay, like, what am I doing? Like, this is, I'm just sitting around here, like doing nothing. and, And this, I'm not used to that. And I don't really like it, you know? Um, now that's not to say there was anything to do, but you know, compared to like day to day stuff, it's like you had to completely change everything. Um, and you know, your focus is on, you know, now I need to, you know, I'm, I'm going from doing all these day to day things to, I need to apply to this grant. I need to do this. I need to follow these rules. You know, what's changing this week, you know? And so it was, um, I, if we hadn't received the support that we did from, you know, different grants and things like that, that became available, um, it would have been detrimental, right? We're, we're really lucky because we own, um, we own our building. So we have a mortgage. We don't have a lease. Oh, that's huge. It massive. Huge. And there's so many yeah. places across the country that close because it's like, I can't afford to pay this lease and there's nothing happening, you know? For us, it's like thank God, you know, we've we've owned our building. Uh, we've owned the club for thirteen years. We've owned our owned our building. I think we bought it the second year in. Uh, I want to say so. It was a good time. We got a good rate, you know, yada yada. And I think that that also helped carry us through. Um, otherwise, it would have been horrible. So you know, but for me personally, it drove me crazy. <laughs> I was like, you know, up <laughs> and course. down. It's a partial vacation, but this is so weird, you know. What what are the kinds of things that you had to do in order to like like what are some of the accommodations you had to make in order to keep the place open? So I you know I remember it was like St. Patrick's Day was like a Monday and we had a show on Sunday it was earthquake and um, we were sold out. Um, we had probably like twenty ish people, twenty to thirty people say ah, I'm not really comfortable going with the stuff that's going on and it, nobody really like. It wasn't serious yet, right? And then on that Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday, the state shut down. And they were like, all right, we're going to go through, you know, two weeks and we're going to follow some rules. And, you know, nobody, you know, as far as everything was closed for like two full weeks. And then it went from two weeks to, you know, now we're going to extend it another two. And I'm like, okay. Like, and now, so it's just constantly rescheduling all of these shows. Now, when somebody cancels on a weekend, right? Or something happens where they need to be rescheduled. It's such a pain. You know, you have four or five sold out shows and the person's not going to be there. So now I have to deal with refunds, with transfers to the people want to come to whoever. I have to find somebody to replace the show, you know, whatever. So it's this massive issue that happens once in a great while. And it was happening, you know, every two weeks, I'm like pushing things out and pushing things out and moving stuff around, remaining closed the whole time. And then it wasn't until um, it wasn't until close to July, (laughs) we're going from March to July, where they were like, all right, uh, you know, if you're like a theater or this or that, whatever, you can do stuff outside. You get to do um, tables uh, where nobody at the party is with another party. So that everybody had to know each other and be part of the like, quote, same household. The tables had to be eight feet apart. You know, I think that was in 2021. So you were probably at a table, right? No, this was, it oh, was no, not 2020. A table. I'm it sorry. Was, it was 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, I, I think, yeah, cause I, I go back and forth in my head, whether or not the show I went to was in 2020 or 2021, but I know it was, it was a bunch of seats. Yeah. It wasn't table. So that, so then we did the same thing with the tent, right? But there was like these little two top tables that we had where we put four chairs at them and they had to be spaced eight feet apart. So we were able to do shows in July 
uh, like that. And then at the end of July, they were like, okay, you can do stuff indoors now, but you also, you know, the same rules apply. You have to keep everybody eight feet apart and all this stuff. So the club, which holds 240 people, went from that to 78. So it was, it was cool. It was a cool vibe, like setup. Everybody was, you know, like, like little cocktail tables and, you know, old school comedy club style, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, but it was like that all the way through May of 2021 and it went from zero to a hundred they were like you know there was no stepping up it went from we only have 78 seats and uh you know there was like time curfews and stuff like that too to literally go do whatever you want instantly and i'm like i don't have the staff for that i don't have the staff for the capacity to go from 78 seats to 220 so we had to you know, it's, ramp it's back up. almost like the people making these decisions don't know what it's like to run a business on a day-to-day basis no, no it was funny too because <laughs> and i'm not trying to knock it everybody tried to do their own thing but you know like you need more input i feel like from the businesses and everybody we're of so course. specific we're a comedy club you know and especially with, with what you're dealing with too i'm, I'm assuming there's all sorts of travel implications as well for uh talent coming in and out from other states and different travel restrictions yeah and stuff. i forgot I'm, about that until just now yeah you couldn't have people coming in from out of state unless they were like they were tested and then you know oh god it just you're you're, you're re-traumatizing like, only like, re-traumatizing me man. <laughs> i'm sorry i don't mean to do this. No, <laughs> not like, it's not right. only like you have to deal with all the normal stuff a local business has to deal with in terms of these accommodations but now you're you're also on a weekly basis dealing with people coming in from out of state to perform yep and then there's different regulations for the performers yep. than there is for the staff and for the, the different regulations for the staff than for the uh the patrons yep. i just i can't imagine having to do all that and so then doing the outdoor shows, at least like one, the one I went to, which was I think was summer of 2021, um, I remember feeling like that show was – it felt like the first time I had been to anything that felt even like even a, like close to something normal. Was was that yeah. – like, yeah. Or was it around that time that for you guys too it started to feel more normal? Yeah, I yeah, I would say so because like I said they went from in May they were like hey you can go to you know whatever uh and when that happened um you know we did the shows outside in July mostly too because service wise right like so you could go up to the bar and get your drink uh and then go sit down I didn't need to have the amount of staff necessary to serve oh, 2 right. or 300 people so it just it also like while we were trying to hire people and do all that stuff having the shows outside in July but just because of the fact that you walked up to the bar, you got your own stuff and went back. That made things like so I needed, you know, four less people to work in order to make that happen. So um, was that was that show? Is that show still the hold the attendance record for the club? Um, It was. I think so, because it was obviously because it was outside. Um, I think it was either that one or Kevin Nealon. Or Michael Rappaport. One of somebody oh, had like three hundred and fifty or something. Yeah, Kevin Nealon was great. <laughs> oh man, I'm such a huge fan. You know, it's again, it's and I've said this. To, I say this to everybody uh, who, whenever this comes up in conversation, and um, I'm not blowing smoke. I've said this a million times. I feel like your place is by far the the best entertainment value for your dollar anywhere nearby anywhere so in the state thank you i really do think that because you again you got guys like kevin nealon coming in and 
I mean, it's just it's it's you know for a very you know affordable ticket price, you can see legends um, coming in. It, it actually kind of reminds me of what I I would think it was like going to like the Warwick Musical Theater back in the day and seeing you know Johnny Carson come in or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, do you have you always been a comedy fan just your whole life? Yeah, I uh, I remember watching stand up um, <laughs> on TV like. You know, I don't know how old I was. It was whatever, but I wasn't old enough to go to a comedy club yet. And so the connection was the first place that I ever saw stand up live, uh, which I, I love that story. It's just so cool. Like I saw stand up there for the first time. I became a regular. I love the place. I always went there with my friends. And, um, you know, and then we had the opportunity to buy it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I've always been into comedy. I'm not just somebody who's like, I, oh, you know, I, I'm just going to open this business or whatever. It's like, you know, I actually care about comedy and, and I enjoy it. I want to talk a little bit about the sort of the history of the comedy connection specifically. But before we get into that, who were some of your just just favorite comedians growing up? Like when you were a kid, like who who really just made you laugh the most? Yeah, you know, uh, whenever like the first memories that I go back to about specials um, back then uh, was you know, like Eddie Murphy, you know, like just raw and delirious. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm even amazing. Jonathan had a special on TV and that was great. Oh, he was so uh, underrated. I thought, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. He was so funny. Um, but you know, all of those. And then there was, um, you know, like that Tommy Davidson and Sinbad specials were always on all the time. Um, and remember premium blend on comedy central. Oh yeah, it was like absolutely. the first time I saw like I I saw Dane Cook do I think a ten minute set on Premium Blood, and I was like I was a huge Dane Cook fan, you know. Like you're just dying, you're dying laughing. Yeah, it was just great. Dying. It was great. Yeah, it's hard to explain to people who weren't old enough at the time what the Dane Cook sort of phenomenon was like when it was going on, and just I mean, just how funny he was. Yes, at the you know, and 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 how huge he was at the time. I mean, he probably I mean I could be wrong about this, but I think up till that point, the only other person I can think of who was like drawing that much attention was probably Dice, um, you know, until then. And then, you know, there's been some since then. But I mean, he was he was just huge. Yeah. And Dane, Dane, he was a great I'm not saying he was, but he's, you know, a great comic. And at that time, it was like I would say the first third of his career was unbelievable it was so funny it was great i you know whatever but you know things happen every time i see a cement truck going down the street the street i just think ct 5000 that's all <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just forever in my head no matter whenever i see a cement truck that's what i or think. when a, a car alarm goes off you know i i still to this <laughs> yeah. day like i still to this day quote stuff from dan cook yeah and dude he invented the term karen pretty much i don't know if you remember, remember that bit there's oh, every yeah! group of girls has a Every group of girlfriends has a Karen. Yep. Yeah. And no one gives him any credit for it. But I remember it. Like, he was the first one. It's crazy. Yeah, man. And so, like, those specials are all great. Now, you know, like, he did movies and he did whatever. And unfortunately, had a lot of tragic things happen in his life. Like, you know, he lost his parents in, like, the same year. And so, you know, it changes a person and, and whatever. And sometimes you kind of fumble and sure. whatever. But that first that first third of his career was, it was good. It was really good. Um, so yeah, I was a Dane Cook fan. I still, I mean, I still am. I haven't seen anything at his in a long time, but, 
Um, is he still doing stand up? I saw him doing something. I saw something come across an email or whatever that he was uh, doing a theater somewhere. I don't know. I've tried to bring him down a bunch of times. It just has never come through. So, what is that process like? In ter- the, the, the process of booking talent and people coming in. I know there's, you know, usually they'll bring, sometimes they'll bring someone with them. And then there's like usually um, a local comedian who hosts. Um, but like, how does that whole process work sort of start to finish? <laughs> um, it's a lot. Sometimes it's easy. Um, it's, you know, super easy and you get a big name because, you know, and I'm not trying to pat ourselves in the back, but like, you know, if you're like a respected club and you treat comics right and you have a good reputation with the agencies and stuff like that, like we have Pete Davidson in June. They're like, that was that was a phone call. Pete's agent called me and said, hey, Pete wants to do some shows. He wants to work out some stuff. And I was like, all right, great. That was that was it. That was so easy. It was done. Let's go. Let's do it. Sure. Not a problem. Well, then you guys, I'm sure you guys are, I mean, I'm watching in real time as you guys are adding shows to the oh, schedule. Sir, <laughs> it's 15. selling out. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. Crazy. And whatever Incredible. you think about Pete Davidson, I mean, obviously, you know, he can sell tickets uh, and, and he's starting to do stand up again. And so, you know, it's fantastic. He's going to start. Doing I'm so glad he is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, but then there's times where it's like, you know, there's somebody who I really want and I have to just constantly like, you know, would be like a squeaky wheel and the agents here to be like, Hey, like, don't forget, don't forget. And so, you know, like I, I, I like Jim Norton, right. I listen to Jim and Sam all the time. And, uh, you know, to get Jim, Jim was here. Was it last year? Last fall to get Jim. It was to, recently. Yeah. yeah. I remember him on the schedule. So to get Jim to come down, it was just like, it's a lot with like his schedule, you know, getting everything to line up for, and it probably took like, I want to say two years of just constantly like reminding, Hey, don't forget, you know, we can get something done. Let's do this. So, you know, that's that. Now I will say that things have changed like, like, you know, pre and post pandemic, like before the pandemic out of, you know, 52 weeks a year, I booked, you know, the, the middle act, I booked probably 49 of them. Right. So um, most of the weekends I put the feature in, uh, and post pandemic, and I don't know where this took a left turn and it's every single club everywhere. It went from the club booking the local act for the middle to the headliners bringing somebody with them. And I only book now like three or four weekends an entire year for the middle act because wow. they usually bring somebody now this two it's, you know, there's two sides to this, right? Am I happy to not do the work? and have to find somebody for that weekend. Right. Because you know, you you want to balance you want to balance the show. You don't want to have the same per- same variation of, you know, I'm sorry, you don't want to have multiple var- variations of the same person, you know, for the host, the feature and then the headliner, that would just feel like it, it, everybody would be sick of it, you know. So you want right. to balance the show. So not having to do the work of like let me find the right person, put them here, are they available, do all of that scheduling. Great. Sure. I'm happy to not do the work. But on the other hand, we want to grow the comics who are here, you know, and all of New England. It's not like we just book people from Rhode Island. We say local. It's like, are you in driving distance? You know, so people, you know, New York and, and right. you know, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine. We have comics come over, like, you know, from all over to feature. Um, that's local. But uh, you want that scene to grow. You want them to be able to go from hosting and only doing, you know, 10 minutes to like, okay, now I can do 15. Now I can do 20. And the only way that happens is if they get experience. So it's tough because now 
there's like that gap there, you know? So we try to find like other shows and do other things where we can kind of like, all right, help you, you know, stretch your legs and, and get more time and more experience. So it's just a, it's a weird balancing act now. Does the club do open mic nights or anything like that? Or is it sort of just uh, like showcase shows? Like, like what are the other ways you try to foster local talent? So, you know, open mic is a weird term. I, I wish we didn't use it. Um, we technically really don't, but when people think open mic, you think of like, you know, when it comes to like comedy or like a poetry night or something like that, an open mic is like, you can just walk in and go up and like, you know, sign up and then go up, like a show up and go up. But the the issue that I have with that is you don't know who's going to walk on that stage. Right. And we have, we have a, like a reputation and I don't mean as far as like quality, I mean, not just quality, but you don't want somebody to go up there who is going to spew some crazy stuff on the stage. So, you know, like, and and make the club look bad or whatever. So, you know, we, we have like comedy classes where, um, Brian Bowden, uh, you know, teaches a class and it's like, Hey, this is how you host. This is what you all, all the steps that you need to understand what comedy, you know, stand up comedy is and, and how to get into the business and helps you develop your first, you know, like five minutes of material, right. Then we have like a graduation show. So we do some kind of like level one, level two classes like that to bring people in. Um, uh, but then, so we do a showcase, right. Where seven, eight different comics, uh, max, and they, they go up and we have somebody like with more experience on there, close out the show. So they don't need to be a headliner, right. They, somebody who can do, you know, 20 minutes, let's say who's been doing comedy for a few years or whatever that gives them an opportunity to quote headline and like close out the show and, and they can work on that, right. They can keep getting more time that way. You have somebody who's never hosted before. I can't put them on a weekend and say, Hey, let's, you know, like Jay Farrow this weekend, why don't you go, you know, host for Jay Farrow. I have no idea how that's going to go. So we have them host right. these smaller shows and, you know, showcases and one nighters and things like that uh, to get that experience. And then everybody in the middle is just, you know, growing and evolving and stuff like that too. So. How many, in terms of the crowd, how many people do you think comes, you know, specifically to see who's there and how many people, like how many people do you think just come because they're going to a comedy show? So I'm proud to say, I think that most of our customers, if they're going to come to a show, like they'll just go to a show because they know we've established that we have, you know, a good reputation for like, you're going to see a great show no matter what, no matter who you come see, it's going to be a good time. Um, so I think that there's a, a, if I had to put percentages on it on a weekend, I would probably say, man, 50, 50, you know, that's, that's pretty incredible. I, I and I'm, I'm proud of that. I am really am proud of that. But like, yeah. you know, you get somebody like, um, let's say Robin Shaw, right? We had Robin Shaw recently. Robin was on a Wednesday night sold out. How many people do I think came to see Robin because it was her fans? You know, I, 99% of them came to see her, but there was probably people who were on the site like, Hey, let's go see a show tonight. And they said, Oh, okay, we'll go see this girl, you know? Right. Uh, and you know, so that's still there. So it depends on like really who and when and stuff like that. Like Randy Feltface. Uh, I'm sure that it skewed way more towards these are Randy Feltface fans than just our customers. So it's weird. It's, you know, all over the place and it really just depends. Is there anyone you haven't had at the club 
um, who you really, really would love to have. Um, and you know, obviously, I, I'm a, you know, I would assume there are certain people who aren't going to play a club that size. Yeah. Um, but given you know the the people who would play a club that size, who like who would you just like really love to have that is just you, for whatever reason you haven't been able to have? Um. Wow. Well, you know, like you said you would, you tried to get Jim Norton for a while, and you really wanted him to come down. Yeah. And you were able to have him come down. Yeah. Um. You know, is there some or is there someone who you really wish you could have had come, but you know they kind of exploded too soon. For you to be from, for them to be able to come, and so now they're playing much bigger venues and stuff like that. And obviously, Bill Burr. I mean, that's Bill's probably my favorite comic. But like the thought of that, it just escapes. Like I don't even think of it because that that's just silly, right? You know, like well, that. You know, I think you know, like, you know, I I think that when when I saw Pete on the schedule, I my first sort of reaction was like, "Holy crap!" Just in in the sense of like, and I I think initially maybe there were three or four shows listed or something like that. And I was yeah. like, these are going to sell out in like five minutes. I mean, I, I just was like, this is no way, you know, there's no way. Um, I didn't even have, to, I don't even think I had time to be like, can I even make this show? Like I, you know, there wasn't even time to know like if the date worked out for me or not. Um, and um, you know, like there's, who knows? Like if, if there's like, it says that he's working out his material, you know, a lot of times comedians like to work out their material in smaller clubs and stuff. And before yep. they tape or go to a bigger, bigger, you know, venue. So who knows? You know, it's a, it's he, he is from the area, so you never know. It could happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that'd I, be amazing, obviously. Of course. Um, and I, you know, we've had try to have like Jeff Ross. Um, it, again, it just hasn't worked out. You know, Rogan. How are you ever going to get Rogan to do something like that? I like, right. I like Jimmy Carr. You know, so there's a, there's a ton who I I, I would. So I don't want to say like, oh yeah, we get everybody, but you know, sometimes they just, you know. Like we've had Kevin guys... James at the club and then we put him at the theater at the vets. And that was, well, you know, what? I was just going to ask you. So, um, is this, is, is this something new you guys have been doing sort of in the last year or two where you guys are sort of sponsoring shows at the vets? So it's not, we're not sponsoring the shows. There are shows, uh, That's which amazing. is really How's cool. that work? That's incredible. I... So we partner with the vets and we, you know, we meet up, we have programming meetings and we're like, Hey, what do we want to do? You know, what shows do we want to go after? You know, stuff like that. And, um, uh, <clears throat> we've, I've actually, this has been since 2018, I think might've been our first one. Um, so we've had, <clears throat> uh, we've had like, uh, Kevin James, we've had, um, Ali Wong, we've had Eliza, we've had, um, uh, Tim Dillon. Um, we just had oh, you my, guys have uh, had some amazing acts come through. I mean, just amazing. Oh yeah, it's great. So you know, it's just like we just basically want to say like, okay, we, we want to be involved everywhere, no matter what. It's like if we, if we can't do it at the club, let's do it at a theater. You know, let's partner with them. Let's bring these shows in to a place that you know it makes sense. So, so yeah. in terms of how the club got started and the, sort of the history of the club, getting back to that. Um, Am I am I right in remembering or thinking that the comedy connection originated in Boston and then it came to Providence at some point? Like, how did it all start? And and that up until the point where you guys grabbed a hold of it. All right. So as far as I know, uh, and I've tried to do research on this whenever I have free time, I'll I'll go down a rabbit hole of trying to figure this out. Um, in the eighties, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, in the eighties, uh. The comedy connection was in, I think it was like in the old Charles Playhouse, right? Um, kind of like where the Wilbur Theater is and stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, 
it was you know bought and moved to Faneuil Hall, right? Then the name was essentially franchised or like licensed out to different people, right? So there was one in Portland, Maine. Uh, that didn't close until like 2014, 13 or something like that. Then there was one um, and uh, uh, Chicopee Mass, right? So that was uh, the Kowloon, not the Kowloon, the, um, the Hukilau. Uh So there was, you know, there and then Providence uh, or Rhode Island opened in 1989. Uh, so the Hukilau closed, Portland closes, Boston closed in 2007, I want to say. Uh, so we're the only one that was left, right? And it opened in 1989. Now the guy who owned the one in Boston was the same owner of the one in Rhode Island. Uh, he went on and leased the theater. Uh, but the club, when we bought it, we bought it 13 years ago, um, was essentially, you know, it had been closed. One person leased it from him for a year before we bought it. Um, but you know, at that time, the whole thing was like decrepit. It was, you know, up for sale and, it was just, yeah, it was, ugh. but anyway, so the prior to 1989 and before it went to Boston, if you Google it and you just kind of do some research, there was a club in like Cincinnati called the Comedy Connection. And then there was like some other random one stuff, you know, here and there, uh, a guy named Ray Combs was attached to it. So I've tried to figure out the, you know, the history before the eighties essentially. And it's tough. It's tough finding stuff like that online. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, even in this day and age, how hard it can be sometimes to track down certain bits of information that you think should be there, right? I mean, yeah, things like that you think would be there. I, I mean, I feel like I remember. So has has the connection always been at the East Providence location? Because I, I feel like I remember there being a comedy club that I, I, I thought was the Comedy Connection, like in the Providence Place Mall. And then no, I that was feel like <laughs> that was stitches, and I remember stitches? going to that too. Yeah, that okay. was only then, there for like I think a there year was and a half, one, two years. I think there was also one at Twin River at one point too. Is that right? Uh, yes, that was a catch a rising star. Okay, so not so neither one of those were the comedy connection. No, no, the club's okay. always been there since '89. The cool thing about the building is before that, it was the or it was a restaurant uh, called the Arboretum. Uh, and then it was before that the Rhode Island Lottery headquarters, <laughs> and then <laughs> prior to that it was a bank. So, uh, which is cool. We actually we're doing renovations right now, and yeah. in in one of the walls, uh, or I, I think it was in one of the walls or somewhere they found it. There was some of the uh, state lottery like paperwork. So I'm gonna see if uh, they'll let us kind of like put it in a frame and show it because it's got some, that's you know, so wild numbers. Man. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool old building. It's a really great spot. Um, and again, anyone listening, man, if you if you're in if you're listening and you're in Rhode Island and you're in the area, um, you know, anywhere in southern New, Ling- New England, check out the Comedy Connection. I think it's it's ricomedyconnection.com. Is that the website? Yeah, I spent a decade fighting to get comedyconnection.com, uh, and that was finally able to. But all of our backlinks and you know, all the SEO and stuff just goes to ricomedyconnection.com. So all it does is forward it. But I guess these days oh, you can I almost see. be like comedyconnection.com. And your place, by the way, are we allowed to talk about your place? Can uh, I talk course, about sure. it? Why not? <laughs> Deep Palm sure. Mary's. It, it's that is like, I mean, it is a legendary place. I grew up down the road and like it, it that the pizza strips there Till this day, people still talk about like, no, you don't get it anywhere anywhere else. You get it from Palmieri's. And uh, it was like they 
anybody who goes to a gas station or you get the, you know, like the strip pizza, party pizza. By the way, what does what's the official ruling from Palmieri's there? Is it is it on, strip on pizza what? or party pizza? Oh, on what on what it's called. Yeah. So we call it we call them pizza strips. Um that's what we call them. Lots of people call it call it party pizza. Yeah. Um I think there's sort of maybe a differentiation in people's minds um, where I think they'll call the larger strips, you know, pizza strips pretty exclusively. Yeah. And then the smaller ones that we sell in the boxes, a lot of times they'll refer to those as party pizza. Yeah. Um, we just call them all pizza strips, not strip pizza, but pizza strips. That's what we call them. Listen, there's if when you try to explain this to somebody who hasn't had oh, it before. They, they're like, that sounds disgusting. What are you talking about? Like, no, you have no idea what this is like. It's addictive. And you have I, to get you know the what? end piece. You oh, have to so get them. To, you have to get them to try it. You know, and that's why I kind of get a kick out of, too, in, 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 you know, whenever I whenever I come to the connection, I'm always bringing pizza strips, man. It's just that's just I'm, it's going to happen. Whenever oh. I come down there, I'm bringing them. And especially when I know a comedian is from New York. I just I love bringing them down because, you know, it's like. I know the reaction is going to be like, what the hell is this? This is yep. not pizza. And um, I am I am happy to say that that Rob Bernstein absolutely loved them. Um, and uh, that meant a lot to me because I'm a nice. huge fan of Rob's. Um, I don't I don't think I've gotten Dave Smith to try them yet. I, I, I will. I will at some point get him to try it. I'm sure as a New Yorker, <laughs> he's going to think it's the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, man, I, it means a lot to me to hear that too. And I think as another, you know, sort of business owner, um, you know, you never take this stuff for granted and it always feels good to hear that kind of thing. I, I reached out to somebody recently about being on the show and they, um, you know, I mentioned the bakery in, in my, in my email, but, um, you know, the, the fact that they had, knew what I was talking about. It's just always sort of a surprise to me, you know, and it's actually kind of funny. Someone, I was telling someone this, this story and, um, a friend of mine, and he was saying sort of a similar thing to what you said. He's like, everybody knows the bakery. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I don't, you know, I, yeah, I said, yeah, but yeah, I said, you know, it's, it's a big state. And I stopped. Don't you have imposter like, syndrome? Right. Well, it's like I was like, <laughs> no, it was, it was more like, did I just say Rhode Island was a big state? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't it's believe not, that. No, it's not. That, that, that's insane. It's not a big state at all. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, and, and I feel honored that, like, the Uh-oh. club, look, we took over, right? Uh, we have the name, it was there since 89. I feel very lucky that, you know, we got a brand where everybody knows the name. And you guys have a place like that, too. I feel like, is of course, everybody knows the bakery. Like, everybody does. If well, that gonna, means a lot to me, dude. Yeah. And I, the fact that you grew up right around there too, you know, especially for people who grew up in that in the area in Johnston, that area, um, you know, it means a lot to me, dude. I, you know, I, I didn't always appreciate it growing up um, because it was always there. You know, it was just sort of like it was just it was like no big deal. Um, and then after we had the fire, a lot of things changed with me in my head, just in how I perceived it, and just oh my god, I, I, I kind of looked at that. Yeah, that was wild. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I think it, it honestly, I feel like it's, it's crazy to say something like this, but it really did take something like that for me to really understand and appreciate, um, what it meant to customers, because I don't think I could really appreciate it in that way, having grown up with it, that mm. just from being a little kid. Um, and that's such an important thing to have a certain, you know, it's, it's such an important 
realization to have if yeah. you're going to be running a business is is having a understanding the customers and having appreciation for them um and all of that yeah um so going forward into the future just in terms of comedy in general um in the state of comedy it feels like to me like there's sort of a a, a real renaissance going on with comedy it sort of feels like another sort of golden era uh, of comedy, especially with podcasting and all of that stuff. Are you feeling similarly about the, the comedy scene and, um, where, where do you see it going in the next, you know, five, 10 years, let's say it's wild right now. We're selling out shows on Tuesday nights, on Wednesday nights, on Monday, it's any day of the week. It doesn't matter. We're selling out shows. It's gotten to the point where, and this is not me bragging me going like, this is crazy. Uh, it, you know, if we're not selling out like the weekend shows, I'm like, okay, what happened? What's going on? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's, you know, whatever holiday or, you know, like I remember uh, uh, one of the April, like, you know, the kids' vacations or whatever. I, I don't have kids, so it didn't even occur to me. Uh, I know <laughs> when I'm booking because I can see, you know, when they are and I pay attention to that. But when it actually happens, I'm like, why are we so slow like this week? Like, you know, it's great. It's a great weekend. Dave and I used to have, you know, you know, 30 people in the club when we first started and, and having to build from that, we're like, wow, all right, we got 30, 40 people. We're good. We're going to be okay. You know? <laughs> and now we're like, ah, it's not selling out, but you know, so something like that, uh, happens. I'm like, ah, it's, it's whatever. So not selling out is crazy these days because it's just the pandemic has completely changed the game. You have comics who, had nothing to do. They couldn't go anywhere, right? They're they're bare, like not performing, and they had to do something different. Like look at Tim Dillon and DeStefano, um, and like you know Stavros and all these guys who they worked the club for years. They they worked the club, you know, come up from New York and whatever, and it, they've they've always worked the club. Post pandemic, we did like I think fourteen, not fourteen shows. I, I want to say it was like a ten or eleven uh, with Tim Dillon. We did like ten or uh, eleven with uh, Stavros. And it's just people rediscovered like, you know, comedy and podcasts and stand up and they went back and watched old clips and there were so many things for them to do. And the way that stand up is consumed online now, right? Everything is content. And, uh, and I would say, you know, for the most part, comics have come to realize that, right? And you'll see them recording every single show and they turn into clips and they promote themselves that way and they do a, for the most part do a great job like they're marketing themselves uh and it's not just the club you know doing the heavy lifting you know promoting the shows and things like that it's it's a partnership which it should be right either way and they're just their clips are getting millions and millions of views and people are coming out in droves i love it i hope it keeps going i wanted to uh i think it can only get better but we're definitely in a renaissance one last question before we go. Um, it feels like, you know, especially sort of more offensive comedy has become a lot more popular over the last, um, you know, five years, let's say. Um, you know, do you think that the sort of PC culture and the uh, trigger warning safe space type culture and, you know, a, you know, a lot of the struggles that uh, more offensive comedians have, had had uh, in the past, um, do you think that there is just a real thirst for more edgy comedy and that, um, you know, and that's part of the reason, um, for this sort of comedy renaissance and that a lot of these sort of edgier comedians are doing much, much better because there is this sort of thirst for something a little bit more edgy. 
I don't think that it makes a difference either way. I honestly don't think that there's more or less or whatever. When it comes to comedy and, and like, you know, what we do at the club and what comics are allowed to do, I don't censor them in any way, right? Um, I don't book, a, you know, a, a, you know, more democratic or a more Republican comic uh, specifically, right? But I'll, every I book everybody who go, you know, is is in any kind of political view. But I'll book anybody who is more of an offensive comic or somebody like. Look, we had Emo Phillips last night, right? Uh, packed house, completely packed on a Tuesday. Emo Phillips is not edgy. He's not, you know, he's, you know, uh, uh, like a one-liner kind of writer guy and a character type of personality. And people are still coming out to see somebody like Emu Phillips, who's been out for a very long time, who's been doing this forever. Um, so I don't think there's a specific, like, thirst for that. Um, I think it's just people are coming to see who they like. And, you know, whether that's, look, Michelle Wolf or if it's Nick DiPaolo, people are going to see them. If, if the person's funny and, and they make someone laugh, it doesn't matter how they're doing it or what they're saying or what they're doing, right? It's, it's like all that matters is that they're funny. It, it, you know, funny is funny. Funny yes, is funny. Exactly. No matter what. You don't need to be offensive. You don't have to be, you know, whatever. Because if you're going to be, like, just like somebody who's, you know, uh, let's say like a newer comic book, if you're dirty just to be dirty to kind of get that reaction out of people, it's not funny. It never comes across as funny, you know, dirty just to be dirty. Um, if you're a pro, if you're a good comic, people are going to like what you say no matter what because they know it's a it's a comedy club. It's jokes. Like we're having a good time. We're making fun here, and that's the way it should be. But it's if sort you of do it, it. It's sort of the difference between like Lenny Bruce and George Carlin. Like to me, it's like if, if, I I've listened to Lenny Bruce many times. I've I've never really been able to laugh at it hardly mm -hmm. ever you know and like i'm i know what he did was groundbreaking but then you know someone like george carlin can take that um and turn it into something absolutely hilarious right so yep. it's if it's funny it's funny uh laughter is an involuntary response and dude i really appreciate you what you guys do over there i think having oh, the comedy so much, club man. there is so important i think comedy in general is so important i always defend comedians just as much as I possibly can whenever, um, you know, whenever they run into any sort of trouble, because I think what they do is so important. And you guys having a venue for that is so important. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I hope you'll come on oh, again. Thanks sometime. for having me, man. Dad, listen, anytime. And I'm going to make Dave, my business partner, come with me too next time. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell people really quickly, just once again, where they can find out more about the Comedy Connection. So it's ricomedyconnection.com. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, everything. And, it, you know, it's constantly updated. Uh, we'll have new bathrooms in about two, three weeks upstairs, completely remodeled. So it'd be really nice. Um, and, oh, by the way, we're closing for the entire month of July this year uh, because we're going to do some major renovations. Um, but it will be for the better. And uh, I think people will really enjoy it. Great. Thanks again, Corey. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. This is the Just Listening Podcast. I gotta go. Go where? Where we just got I got that thing. I gotta go. With pizza artist Eric John. Uh, wait a couple of minutes. We'll all leave together, okay? This way you don't go out like a bunch of hobos staggering out one at a time. Please like, share, and subscribe.